Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to a Daily Tech News Show special edition. I'm Tom Merritt, and today we're going to dig in a little bit about the state of YouTube from the creator's side. And joining us to talk about that, Jason Inman, host of Geek History Lesson, showrunner's assistant on the Code CBS, and author of Super Soldiers, a salute to the comic book heroes and villains who fought for their country. We'll talk a little bit about that book in a minute, too. Jason, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, So... First of all, before we get into Susan Wojcicki's blog post of last week uh, and just kind of the general feeling around YouTube, which seems broadly negative and yet I think everyone correct. still uses it yes. and it's growing. <laughs> uh, but but give people a little uh, background on your experience on YouTube because I know you've done a lot of different things. Yeah, actually, YouTube was basically my first career, especially when I moved out to Los Angeles. I got a job working for this YouTube channel called Mahalo.com, which was this big how-to video aggregate because about around 2010, that's what YouTube was into was how-to videos. You put how-to in a video it exploded. From there, I was able to get a job with Rhett and Link. And uh, I'm actually the uh, producer and writer and the cameraman for the first 400 episodes of wow, Good was that Mythical many? Morning. That's crazy. Yeah, they're up to like 1200s now. So like that, they, that was where I got a lot of my big education. And then I took that over to channels like Collider. I've worked with Collider. I worked uh, with Screen Junkies on the Honest Trailers and stuff like that. So like I've kind of been a little bit all over the place as long as doing my own channel. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, YouTube.com slash Shaman. And what, what kind of things have you done on your channel? Basically, we've always just been kind of a geeky, nerdy content channel, like talking about comic books, talking basically like around the idea of comic books. And also, happy free comic book day. Yeah, it's awesome. We're it's the best holiday this. of the yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so... Given all of that broad experience, mm-hmm. both in, in sort of the technical side and the producer side and the host side, running your own channel, uh, we have this blog post that came out from Susan Wojcicki earlier this week. Uh, we actually talked about it on one of the regular Daily Tech News shows in regards to her comments on uh, content removal uh, and a couple of, of remarks regarding not worrying about false positives in certain cases. But the blog post is called Addressing Creator Feedback and an Update on My 2019 Priorities. And in addition to those moderation things, she talks about supporting creator and artist success. Uh, she talks about improving communication and engagement. How, what was your reaction reading through that post? 
reading through this post, my biggest reaction is I've heard it before. Mm. I've heard this from YouTube several times before. The only the biggest thing about this blog post that stands out to me is that they're living up to responsibility and how they're like, we're taking down certain comments, we're doing this. To me, it feels like YouTube got caught with their hand in the cookie jar and now they're apologizing for it. And it's like we knew their hand was in the cookie jar for years. We knew we, they were not taking care of these things for years. <laughs> and they were like, what hand? What cookie yeah, jar? Yeah, they're like, oh, you got us. Uh. <laughs> but it, comments and things like this have been on YouTube's for YouTube's. Is, I don't even know what YouTube's is. All you, of the YouTube's. All yeah. the YouTube's for years. It has been a problem for years. And they've always had that little button that says report spam or report abuse. And you do it. But I have never in my entire YouTube career working on YouTube for several years have ever seen any follow back or any change off of those actions. Yeah, and, and the, the complaints about YouTube are numerous. There's the comment moderation, uh, like you're talking about, and, and feeling like you don't have any help on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's takedowns where you feel like your stuff got taken down inappropriately and, and the appeals process feels like a dark, empty hall. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that myself a yeah, few times. Too. Yeah, several times. Uh, there's, there's the monetization problems that people have had, which Daily Tech News Show has not fallen under, but my own personal channel did yeah. because it didn't qualify for the minutes Oh, yeah, uh, that it the needed. 10,000 10, uh, subscribers. Yeah, yeah. so uh, what kind of complaints do you think are, are the valid ones, uh, the ones that are, are pertain to you, and, and, and which ones are, are maybe like, well, come on, people, relax. They're not entirely evil. Um, the ones that, you know, it's, I, it's, I'm almost, almost entirely on the creator side with this one. Like, I don't think there are any creator complaints that, you know, aren't valid. The biggest problem, I would say, is that I guess we're all finally getting a taste of what we knew was going to happen. Like when we all signed up for YouTube, they gave us that giant long user agreement that none of us read. And we said yes to it. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we are now suffering at the cost of that user agreement because YouTube can change their algorithm. YouTube can literally delete your videos, Tom, delete my videos, and we would have no repercussions. We could not go back to them because I guarantee you there's a line somewhere in that user agreement that says, we can do whatever we want with your channel and you can say nothing. It's their platform. It is their platform. And I guess that's the devil that we know and we, we've we worked with this devil because they're the biggest devil on the internet. But in terms of the other stuff, um, yeah, YouTube has always been a difficult platform to figure out to be successful at it's impossible and a lot of times it seems like it is a roll of the dice because mm-hmm. of their weird algorithm and i have specifically dealt with one time at screen junkies in the middle of my time there we had figured it out like we knew exactly the tags to use we knew exactly the title to use we knew exactly the thumbnail work if we could do that we'd hit a million views no problem easy and then about six months in my time at screen junkies that was no longer working for no reason. Right. Nobody told us why it wasn't working. Nobody told us. And, and, and this we, echoes a lot of the search engine uh, complaints too. Exactly. And that, I think it was Google's like search engine mm-hmm. change is what basically screwed us out of that. Um, so that is a big complaint. Like you, you would think that if YouTube cares as much uh, about their creators as they say they do, they would give at least some of the bigger creators like, hey, heads up. We're going to change our algorithm. You know, it's going to focus more on this or X, Y, Z factor or something like that. But they never do. They just do it. And then suddenly we're swimming in deep waters. Be like, what is going on? Yeah, I I think maybe one of the ways to look at YouTube, uh, because I don't believe that there's, you know, and and I've I've actually seen this rhetoric out there that, you know, YouTube is just planning our demise. They just want to soak us for money and then leave us dry. (laughs) And it's like, that's actually not a sustainable business model, even if they were 
perfectly pragmatic and i don't think they're heartless people no uh my wife used to be one of them so uh she, she i i've met many of them they're they're perfectly wonderful folks but i think what one of the things that happens with youtube is they started small as yes. all of these companies did uh and the attraction to creators was i don't have to go through all the hurdles i would have to go through at a network to get mm-hmm. noticed. I can, I can start my channel and make it, right? It's the promise of the internet. I, yeah. I, I'm judged on my quality, not on who I know or my connections. Immediately to your five minutes of fame. And what happened is that worked fine until it didn't because yeah. of scale. At a certain point, not everything can get noticed mm-hmm. without YouTube's help, right? In the early days, sure, you know, word of mouth might actually bring a YouTube video to prominence. But yeah. after a certain point, you need recommendations. And I think YouTube and Google in general... Uh, being an engineering company thought, well, the, the, the system will, will take care of that and the best stuff will rise because we have the processes and we don't need to provide human support for that. And that's where the disconnect came when people suddenly were like, Hey, there are literally a million other channels like mine. I want mine to stand out. Yes. Who can I talk to about this? And YouTube said, no one, we've got an algorithm. And if you deserve to stand out, you will. Yeah. And the algorithm obviously supports, um, the mob rule because you know say if the mob is only watching Rhett and link videos of course that's the only videos that youtube is going to service to these users they're not going to give somebody the brand new channel that maybe has the exact same quality of content same camera mm-hmm, same lighting mm-hmm. same sound setup and similar tone like you know say you know it's a sub- and the algorithm could do that it just doesn't seem like it ever did well yeah, yeah exactly it never did that and i it's funny i can tell you exactly when the year that happened around 2014 2015 that's when that break happened because from my own personal experience on my own channel and i've never i mean currently i have like seventy five thousand subscribers i don't have a lot of subscribers but i have like a steady audience and back then, I only had like 20,000 subscribers because my YouTube channel has always been something that I do in my spare time. It's been like, well, when I get the time, I'll do it, you know, but it's never been like the number one thing. I've always done other mm-hmm, jobs like mm-hmm. that. On my own channel, I used to do this fun thing where about, you know, every two to three months, I would try to plan a video or a music video or something like that, you know, something that was fun. And then back then in like 2012, I could make that video hit half a million views easy no mm-hmm. problem i could i knew the right way like and i and i i was you know predictive with like oh i think this will pop or this will be a meme or be this will be related to game of thrones will be related to walking dead and then around 2014 2015 i made like a video just like that it was called the history of doctor who got featured by the bbc uh-huh the bbc tweeted it out deal stuff like that i was like this video is gonna go huge Thirty thousand views and i was like i and, and it Two yeah. years earlier, same method, same everything. I guarantee you that video would have been like 800,000 views. Well, it reminds me of podcasting. In yeah. the early days of podcasting, putting a podcast out yeah. got you listeners because, mm-hmm. hey, there's a there's a show that talks about a thing. Yeah. Uh, and these days, it's much more difficult to oh, get a yeah. podcast noticed because there's so many out there. With YouTube, it's complicated by the fact that not only are there so many other creators out there making videos on YouTube than there used to be, uh, but there is only one authority for discovering them at least yes. with podcasting you can go to spotify you can go to uh, pocket cast you know, yeah. yeah uh whereas youtube you can go to youtube and, and yeah maybe maybe you'll get tweeted or facebooked or, or or catch on some way that way uh but it's all in youtube's hands and again going back in the early days it was great for people to feel good because mm-hmm. when you have a hundred creators on youtube and and uh and youtube features 
10% of them, uh, then t- 10 people feel really great. And other people are like, hey, I could be like those 10 people. When you yeah. have a billion creators on YouTube and they feature 10%, mm-hmm. that feels like a lot fewer people because you got a lot more people who didn't get featured and are no longer feeling like, hey, I could be like them, but like mm-hmm. there's no way I'll ever be like them. And, and the YouTube model also feeds into that because... The YouTube model is that what you talked about earlier. I can put a video on. I can be immediately famous. And so people have, for the last 10 years, seen other people do that. So when they start their YouTube channel, and they maybe do the exact same things, but the algorithm is not featuring their video, so their videos only get like 500, 600 views, that also leads to the frustration increasing because they're like, well, why can't I be like them? They're doing the same thing. You know, I think it is an impossible task. I don't think YouTube can make everybody happy. I don't think so. Even if the algorithm was perfect at at recommending, uh, newer, Mm -hmm. uh, and less frequented channels, uh, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't expose you to everything because there's just too much. No. And, and so they're, they're, they're in a little bit of a pickle there. Also exposing new and unproven channels is risky. Yes. These days, it, the first third of this blog post from Wojcicki is about making sure that dangerous content doesn't get out there. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and promoting, un, un, you know, unproven channels. Is there's a, still a lot is of a, dangerous content is still a, left on YouTube that they haven't found. Exactly. Uh, so they, they've got a scale problem, mm-hmm. both in the moderation, in the community side. And I think what happens is, you know how there's that principle that you can only know like really well, like a hundred people yes. right, or something. I can't remember what the exact yeah. number is, but it's a small number of people. I feel like YouTube has that problem. We're like, okay, we can know a hundred creators. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 it, yeah. and after that, we just, it's, it's beyond our, our ken. Yeah, yeah. You're on your own. You're, you're out in the uh, Mad Max wasteland yeah. <laughs> fighting for your, the, the scraps. <laughs> so what could they do given that? I mean, transparency obviously is part of it, and they and yes. she mentions that here, which, like you say, it's like mm. Mm, about time. Well, yes. they they do have a couple programs that I think actually do help creators. They do this thing called every year called the Next Up, mm-hmm. um, where they feature like they get gather thirty creators in L.A. and thirty creators in New York, and they've done that every year. And they supposedly say that they're going to help these channels out. They give them a little bit of money, they give them some budget, new equipment, and then supposedly in the algorithm they're supposed to help feature them more to help you discover these new channels because YouTube thinks these new channels are good. So that's something they could do. I I hate to say this because I don't know whether this is a good idea or not. I wonder. If YouTube's categories need to be more segmented, Mm. if they need to be more separate. So that way, if people are looking for the stuff they want to see on YouTube, they will go to the categories first because YouTube has these categories. Yeah, yeah. And they break up these categories. And maybe that would be a way to spread the YouTube democracy. Like have a news front page and an entertainment yeah, and like, comics yeah, front page. Yeah, maybe it's youtube.com slash news, youtube.com yeah, yeah, yeah. slash, you know, like kind of like Reddit. Yeah. Like there's all these different subreddits that are mm-hmm. all over the place and there's lots of Reddit that I never look at because I'm just not interested. Maybe YouTube needs to do that and then focus down on the algorithm within each category. Beyond that, the only other solution I, I, I have to say to people right now is to say, don't start a YouTube channel. Go to Twitch or yeah. go somewhere else. Well, and I think that's the other solution to this. And it's not a solution to YouTube's problem. But one of the reasons YouTube takes so much heat is I don't think people feel like they have another option. Yeah. Right. And there's Vimeo. But Vimeo is limited. And, and I think wisely in, in their case, uh, pivoting towards focusing on quality and, and filmmaker yeah. and and that sort of thing. Uh, Twitch is there, but Twitch doesn't have the ability to host back catalog the same as YouTube, at least mm-hmm. not right now. So some people look at that and go, well, man, it's not exactly the same thing. Um, 
at least there's some alternatives. But if there were more alternatives, then I think YouTube would have less heat on it because someone would go to something else that's like YouTube and realize, oh, this isn't the same problems exist. Some of these problems are just problems of being on the internet rather than blaming YouTube for every single problem that exists when you make content on the internet. Some of that's why I asked you that thing at the beginning is I think some of the criticism of YouTube is like, well, yes, uh, the internet exists and has been like this since the nineties. But I don't think people feel that when they don't feel like they have a choice of where to go. Yeah, exactly. It's also the same thing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Like, you know, buying from Amazon or buying from Walmart, especially mm-hmm. like if you're living in a community that where I grew up where, you know, there's only... 20,000 people in your town, Walmart's all you got. And and sometimes I feel like YouTube is that for video on the internet because you are right. Vimeo is too specialized and it's too... I, I, this is a terrible word, but I'm going to say it professional. Yeah. Like it seems well, like I think Vimeo is like, yes, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, And I think that's yeah. a good way to segment themselves away mm-hmm. from YouTube. Yeah. If there was a YouTube competitor... It would be a different ball game, but which I guess there's daily motion, but yeah, YouTube is just too dominant. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying we yeah. should go break them up necessarily. Oh no, but, no, no, I don't. But, think, I don't yeah, think so I think either. that's a cause of one of the problems. You know, I mean, the other the other option is, and I don't think we we want to see YouTube do this because the thing we love about YouTube is the ability to upload anything, upload mm-hmm. immediately, is for YouTube to be more picky about who gets to be on their platform and who doesn't. But I think that kind of defeats the purpose of being YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. First of all, there's that engineering mindset Mm -hmm. we talked about. But second of all, they also want to maintain their safe harbor defense. Yeah. And even if legally they could have a curated page, Mm -hmm. I think they want that defense of like, we never pick any winners. Because people are already accusing them of picking winners just by running an algorithm. And they do. Yeah. They, the algorithm picks winners. And like, I, I mean, think if they were yeah. literally picking winners, then it would be even harder for them yeah. to defend that. So <laughs> it would be even worse. So it's um, like, this depends on like 
I guess the optic they want to present. Yeah, yeah. I've always felt like YouTube needed a homepage of the featured stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, and they just, I, I understand why they won't do it, but I kind of feel like, well, you're going to get this criticism anyway. You might as well. Yeah. Because I think it yeah, could help other it. things. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we've solved YouTube. There you go, Susan Wojcicki. <laughs> no. Uh, folks, if you have uh, thoughts on this, uh, by all means, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We'd love to hear them. Before we go, though, uh, tell us a little bit about Super Soldiers. I, this is a fascinating concept for a book. Uh, so yeah, this is a book that I've been wanting to write for a long time. It's a nonfiction book where um, I'm an Iraq, Operation Iraqi Freedom veteran from the Army. And um, I've always noticed that there's been a weird connection between the military and superheroes and that the military is sort of used as a shorthand in a lot of superheroes' journeys. So I wanted to explore a lot of that. And in the terms of doing the research for this book and putting this book together... I realized that there was no better way to express certain aspects of military life than literally putting my own stories from my own military life in there. So each chapter focuses on a superhero or a supervillain from comic books that served in the military, like Captain America's in there, Nick Fury's in there, the Punisher's in there, the, some of the ones you know. And then there's other characters like... I don't know if you're familiar with the DC Comics character Gravedigger. Oh, wow, no. See, he's in there. He's, yeah. He's chapter number three. Huh. Um, so there's a lot of different characters in there and exposing what their military careers say about them, whether they're a good soldier or not, and did the writers get it or are the writers like way off the mark? And that's kind of all of this thing, all the things that this book explores. Um, I will say this, the best quote I've ever had on it is uh, my wife, Ashley Victoria Robinson, got to read the book early, of course. She was my first beta reader. And she said that she thought the book for being about comic book superheroes was way more personal about my military life than she ever expected. Mm -hmm. So, well, it, and that is the beauty of it is that it is a memoir. Yeah, but it's also an analysis of superheroes. Sure. And yeah, so, yeah. if you if you come for one, stay for the other because yeah. you're you're you basically have have very nicely weaved two books into one. Yeah. That fans of one or the other might not have been exposed to otherwise. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually made me excited to maybe actually write a memoir of my time in the military or something like that. Because that was something I never considered for years. So it was it was interesting to explore that through these comic book superheroes. And it's also interesting, I found, and it really surprised me in kind of like thinking about it objectively and doing the research on all these characters, which ones are good soldiers and which ones are bad? Mm. And there are the ones that are bad. Like, it's not always villains, not always heroes. Well, like right? the best example I'll give you is, um, is the Punisher. Everybody wants to... Like be like, ah, Punisher's a terrible character. Like he's just not good, and and I agree, he should not be celebrated because he's basically a villain. Mm -hmm. But when you objectively like step back from the Punisher and look at his stories and look at how he's presented, he just needs a hug. <laughs> he literally needs a hug in therapy. If he had just gotten that, yeah, yeah, he'd have been fine. But nobody gave them the hug. Nobody gave them the therapy. So he picked up a gun and started shooting people. Yeah. Oh, you know? this, the, I mean, I, I laugh, but I shouldn't laugh because yeah, it, that, it, that is an all too real situation. Yeah, it's right? a very, very, yeah, yeah. very real question. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so the book comes out June 18th. It's available for pre-order right now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, basically anywhere you can find it. And I'm doing this special until the book comes out that if you pre-order the book, and you email me at jasoninmanauthor at gmail.com. I'll send you the first three chapters of the book to read before anybody else. And a video about my writing process. Like why I pick certain characters and stuff like that. Fascinating. Um, so only if you pre-order the book. 
um, anywhere. You, you can even give me the receipt from your local bookstore. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Jason, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thanks this for is having great. me, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and folks, thank you for supporting Daily Tech News Show. It's because of you that we're able to do extra episodes like this. So keep on supporting us. Become a member if you're not already at patreon.com slash DTNS. is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this moment. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.